pray with me? Lord, thank you that you are our anchor forever. And in the storms, you will hold us and cover us. You do now. Help us to see that, to know that. Lord, let us put our true hope, our real hope in you, Jesus. Thank you for being here with us now. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for being an anchor. Uh, May we, from going to school, to going to work, to going to parties, to looking forward to the good things of Christmas, have you as our hope. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a seat. Thank you all again uh, for being here. Uh, It is not easy after a uh, probably busy Thanksgiving weekend, uh, getting back to work on Monday, uh, some of y'all came to church uh, today, so uh, you're doing double duty. I mean, I know, I know it's a tough thing, you know, but it actually does uh, grow us. Uh, and thank y'all who were not here, uh, who made it here uh, tonight. We really wanted to have a special time to open Advent in candlelight. Uh, we're going to take communion and close this time here in a few minutes. But I want to share a brief word about uh, Mary and it is based on the passage that Jana read. I'm not going to reread it, so if you want to turn to Luke 1, we'll be in Luke 1, verse 26 through 38. Again, this is Advent. We'll be talking Advent this entire month. Uh, Advent is really simple. Jesus comes. But often we think about it, yeah, Jesus came in a manger in uh, Bethlehem. He did. Uh, one of the great things about our faith is that it is historical. It happened. It is a fact in history. So we know that, but Advent is so much more. He comes now. Right now. He's here by the power of His Spirit. And so, uh, maybe in your mind, uh, you're worried about relationships. Or you're worried about your future. Or maybe you're worried about tomorrow. Or maybe you're dreading tomorrow. I hope you're not. Jesus is here now. He's going to be here when you go to bed tonight. Hopefully you'll say your prayers. He's going to be here in the morning. He's here in the present. And then he will come again in the future. The hope we talk about as Christians, we should hope daily for the coming of Christ. I mean, personally, I hope that I don't experience physical death. I hope I'm here when Jesus returns again. 1 Thessalonians talks about being caught up in the clouds. Don't have to experience physical death. I believe that is real. I believe that is literal. I believe that will happen. That is Christianity, and that is what we hope for. So there's much that is about hope, and and I hope like you get it, like you really get it. And and all of this, kind of the the trivial stuff of life, that that we would really focus on the majors and not some of these, these minors. So we talk about hope. But this morning, if you were here, I really tried to emphasize how much we can misplace our hopes. And often it happens so much in this season, in this coming month. I mean, we set it up where we, we have the ideal, we have the, the perfect Christmas. We put our hopes in the dinners, in the parties, in the decorations, in the music. And, and we imagine, hey, this is Christmas. I mean, this is what is told to us in in culture, in media, in movies, you know, the special time of Christmas, it is special, don't get me wrong, uh, the, the wonderful ideal time of Christmas morn, where it's just like magic is in there, it is special, but it is not heaven. And 
December 26th, brothers and sisters, will come. January 2nd will come. And the healing that sometimes we imagine will happen uh, of relationships in Christmas. Uh, The power that sometimes we imagine will happen in Christmas does not happen because it's not heaven and it's not Jesus coming again. And sometimes we place our hope in this time, in this special time. It's good, but it's not the best thing. Then we can place our hope in family, good thing, not the ultimate thing. Place our hope in work, good thing, not the ultimate thing. Hope you think your work's a good thing. You might not. It can be a good thing. Place our hope in fun, good times. It's a good thing. It's not the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing, as we talked about this morning and every time we gather here, is Jesus. Now, I know that, you know, hey, I know that. Hey, I got it. And, you know, either went to Sunday school or walked down the aisle or go to church. I mean, I know ultimate hope is in Jesus. But one of the big reasons I do what I do is I want you to know what you know. Like, like really, like know it. Like know it intimately. Know it biblically. Know it in your heart. Because if Jesus is in your hope, then, then, then we don't major in the minors. Uh, we, we don't worry so much about the trivialities of, of life. We really don't. If Jesus is your hope, your worldview is changed, that it's God's world. Your life is changed, that it's not your life. It's God's life. And he will, he will use it for his good. Now, how do you know that your hope is in Jesus? We looked at this this morning Talked about it tonight. It is uh, how you ask how, that simple question. If you were following when Jana read, Mary asked Gabriel a question. He was telling her that she would be pregnant and be with child. And she says, verse 34, Luke 1, how will this be? This morning we talked about Zechariah, who essentially asked the same question. The angel, same angel, Gabriel, said, your wife's going to be pregnant. He said, well, how will this happen? Because we're old. And then the angel said, you're going to shut your mouth. That's, it's done. Because you didn't believe. Here, Mary asked the same question. And he responds. I've always been fascinated. Same question. And one guy, you know, gets the bad ends. And then Mary really gets blessed. I mean, the angel just talks to him. What is that about? I think it had to do with... Their posture. I know it had to do with their heart. You know, people, two people can say the same thing, but one person's heart can be off or wrong or bad, and the other one's be, be good. And so for Zechariah, we talked about how, how life possibly could have changed him, where his how was a doubting how. Because we can say how in two ways, too. We can say, well, how's it going to happen as in like, you know, how the blankety-blank is it going to happen? When we really say the translation, that can never happen. Or we could say, how is that going to happen with expectancy, with excitement, believing? And Mary here, her how is believing. Man, sounds awesome. How's this going to play out? I'm excited about it. So God is always talking to y'all. Uh, sometimes it's through other people. Uh, sometimes it is through his word and by his word, it's by the Holy Spirit. But when God speaks to you, 
My hope is that you say how with expectancy and excitement and a sense of adventure and purpose and not like, what are you talking about? But sometimes it happens when someone else is trying to speak into your life and maybe there is hurt or maybe there is bitterness or maybe there is resentment or maybe just life is not played out as you want and you kind of take it out on that person trying to speak into your life and you're like, you're nuts, how is this going to happen? I don't want that. And I don't want it with the people God's trying to use to speak in your life, which happens to include me, if you're here, as pastor of this church. I want a a people, I really want a pastor of people that has expected hows, that has hows with adventure and excitement and belief and hope and something real. And we see this in Mary. So let's look for just a moment, like, What did Mary have? What was her posture? What can we see in Scripture, her heart, that we can take uh, to live a different way? Because a lot of us need to live a different way. We've been scarred. We've been burned. As I said this morning, a lot of y'all are fried. So glad you're here. What did Mary have? She had a couple things in this passage. First off, verse, uh, verse 28, 29. I love this. The angel came to her, Gabriel. He said... Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Look at her response. Verse 29. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. It it wasn't a response of, you got it. You know, favor is mine. You know, I am anointed. I am called. Thank you for illuminating that to me. I've known it since birth. You know, my parents kept telling me over and over, you're called. It wasn't that. There's a humility here. She's troubled. I'm favored. What's this all about? It's a humility to her posture. Uh, We could learn a lot from Mary just in these couple verses. Uh, You know, I I love to say all are called and all are called. But we're called day by day. We're called to be humble. We're called to serve. And Mary says it. She says she was troubled and tried to discern. Then... She says, how will this be? Verse 34, since I am a virgin. How will this be? She asks that how, but I really believe it's a believing how. That there's no doubt in her. Standing before Gabriel, saying, you are going to be pregnant. You're going to carry the Son of God. And she asks, but she has faith. She has faith. And then last, verse 38, I love this line. She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. He tells her all this. He does not spell it out in detail how it will be played out. She ends the conversation. Luke ends the scene. I'm God's servant. Let it be. Let's roll. You know, I've always wondered if... I've always wondered, as Mary continued to live her life, if she continued to say that. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be. Uh, As she got pregnant and was not married and then journeyed to Bethlehem, and as we know in the song, no room in the inn, did she say, the servant of the Lord, uh, let it be. As she gave birth, you know, in the stable that was probably something like a cave with animals and dirty and greedy, she said, 
I am the servant of the Lord, let it be. Uh, did she, a couple years later when they had to flee to Egypt so that the child would not be slaughtered, as probably thousands of others were, did she say, let it be, I am the servant of the Lord. As she saw her firstborn son hanging from the cross for you and I and others, did she say, Behold the servant of the Lord, let it be. After her firstborn son had died and risen again, but had ascended too, so his bodily presence was no longer on earth, and she could not be with him, did she miss him as mothers do? I believe that she did. Did she say, I am the servant of the Lord? When she went with John, the disciple, to Ephesus, and that's where her grave is, and there were probably problems and conflict and persecution in the early church. Did she say, let it be, I am the Lord's servant, according to your word? I believe she did. I believe she did. God doesn't show us how it's going to play out, but he, he does not promise us heavenly bliss on earth. And, and we, need to, um, we need to get that. Like one of the questions we're talking about this couple who's coming on Wednesday and some of the questions, they experience real a darkness that I do not want to experience. I pray. And the thing about the questions, you know, that I was going to ask is, you know, the darkness continues both in memory, but both in reality, because the child you lost, you won't see again until heaven. How do you deal with that? In faith. How do you say, behold the servant of the Lord, let it be? We can and actually believe in some of the darkness, the light is in the darkness, grows us much more than if everything was just like plastered with light. I believe that. And I believe that's biblical. So we see some things in, in Mary. In Mary. Faith. Humility. Keeping at it. Step after step, day after day, year after year. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. She continued to have a believing how. How does this play out? How does this work? How does it get? She still believes. May that be said of you. Maybe that be said of me. Maybe that be said of us. But then, last, this, uh, last thing from this passage. It says a lot about God. Like, why should you believe? You know, if, if I was in there, I'd be like, man... Why should I believe? If the darkness continues, why? A lot of folks have lost their faith or what faith they thought they had when the darkness really poured in. This passage says two things. One, verse 33, Jesus is talking about his kingdom. There will be no end. It's biblical. Take that as truth. Take that as literal. His kingdom, there will be no end. All other kingdoms, all of the governments uh, will at some point perish. His will not. And so if we're part of his kingdom, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that binds us and binds us more than anything else. More than anything else. And then the angel says, the words of Gabriel, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. I mean, how do you have a believing how? How do you continue believing? There has to be something 
I really hope you all hear me on this. There has to be something greater than, than Christmas uh, schmoozy, schmaltzy, wonderful that I love feelings. There has to be something uh, greater than, than emotions of family even. There has to be something greater than good works that we can do that, that make us and others feel good. There has to be something. That greater thing is Jesus, a king whose kingdom will be no end, and that nothing is impossible with him. You're like, I can never forgive that person. Nothing is impossible with him. That can never be healed. Nothing is impossible with him. I can never go there. Nothing is impossible with him. I can never take that risk. Nothing is impossible with him. I can never be that honest. Nothing is impossible with him. If you don't get this, everything else is like... It's like, what's the point? Christmas, a celebration. If you don't get this, this is, this is the core, this is the root. Jesus is king. In him, nothing is impossible. That's where we got to go. So for us, I do want to close with a couple questions of y'all for Advent. But I want you to look at a passage. Because if you are in Christ, and I know a lot of y'all do claim to be Christians, and I know a lot of y'all are Christians. Uh, but some, some may not be living as you should. Some may not be leading the life God wants you to. Uh, And therefore, some may not even be Christian. I don't know, but I do believe it's my duty to proclaim that, to at least make you either for a second or a minute or for tonight. Think about that. But if you are a Christian, listen to this. The words of Peter, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. He says to you, to me, to us, those who say we have Christ, we are locked in. We got our home. He says, you are a chosen race. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim, that means speak, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are a chosen race. You, y'all, in Christ. You are a royal priesthood. You, y'all. There is a calling on your life. You, y'all, if you have Christ in your life. You are to speak. You are to proclaim the excellencies of what he has done. He called us out of darkness into his light. And look at this. And I mean, if you really think about this, this is radical. It says, once you were not a people, once you were just solo riders, now you're together. You're a family. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. You can easily glance over that. What that means is, if, if you are a Christian... If you're a Christian, you have been saved from hell and given mercy. And if you are not a Christian, very unpopular, but it is the God. If you're not a Christian, you are bound for hell. It's the gospel. Mercy. So as Christians, we should be the most merciful with one another. Because we've been saved. We've been saved. So I want to close with a couple questions. And the question is, like, how, how are you going to live this Advent? We've got a month. Hopefully you've got a life. But let's just start with a month. You've got Advent... How are you going to live it? What's Advent going to be about? What's Christmas going to be about? 
So if you took Advent the month Christmas, is your Christmas is it about getting lit or being light? Like seriously, is it about getting lit or being light? And first off, getting lit, I mean, I mean like what some of y'all think, getting lit, like getting drunk, like getting wasted, okay? You know what getting lit is? Who knows? Can I get an amen if you know? Amen, I know. Amen, amen you know. So if you're lit, you're like, you're lit. And, and some of y'all like to be clear, like need to tamper off on it, okay? And chill out a little bit. And this is speaking from a dude that, you know, 15 years ago, you know, I would do all I could. You know, if you dare me to out drink you, we would be on you know, shots galore and all of that, okay? So hear me out. And I'm not a teetotaler anyway, those of y'all who know me. But one thing is, you're just going to spend this month getting lit? Now let's push it past drinking. Is it all about consuming? Like, I want to be lit up. I want to be lit up with fun. I want to be lit up with good times. I want to be lit up and enjoy, you know, everything. It's all good stuff. Or do you want to be light that shines? If you get lit up, I mean, it's really all about you. You mean light that shines. Light that shines out. There, there are people that are in darkness. There are people that need to see the light of Christ. And it is about you. It gets personal that you can shine the light of Christ. So you're going to be lit or you're going to be light? Light that shines or lit just to consume? Talk about our church. Those of you all who call this church home. Do you want to be timid or you want to take a risk? Now, some of y'all, if I just said, some of, some of that pierced y'all, I hope. Like, timid, like, I, whoa, 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 bro. Like, I, I ain't timid, you know? We can be very timid in our faith. Or do you want to take a risk for God? And I'm not talking about going to India. We're going to show, we're going to pray for brothers going to India. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about little things. Like, like repenting is, is a risk. Like saying, you know, I messed up. I jacked up. I am an error here. I'm wrong here. That's a risk. And it's timid to not say that when you know you should. Are you going to take a risk to reach out to someone that you don't normally reach out to? And look, this happens all the time. Not just here, everywhere. Are you going to be timid and say, I'm just going to hang with my bros or those I know or those I feel comfortable with or those that, you know, we got the same interest and all that. Are you going to take a risk to like really engage and inhabit another person's life. Are you going to be timid and, man, I am not going to pour out to God in public at the altar when I believe, like every Sunday we all should, or am I going to take a risk where I know half the congregation might say, well, what's you know, messed up in their marriage or what just went down this week in their life? Or, you know, man, they're even, you know, God forbid, sobbing at the altar for the grace of God in their life. Are you going to take a risk? To show like how much you love God? And then, yeah, are you going to take a risk maybe to go somewhere far flung and say, God's calling me there and there are going to be opportunities here? Are you going to be timid in our faith? Because we saw this, we don't like to be called timid, okay? Back in Civil War days, that's when we got our whiskey and our guns and, you know, we went to town. Amen? I mean, I believe that. I believe that today. But it happens in our faith. Take a risk and God shows up. And then the last thing, call. Christmas, church, call. Here's a question. I say this, I will say this every week. All of us are called. But often we think of, and I got this big call, and I'm just waiting. I would say, man, are you going to wait or are you going to walk in God's call? God is calling you. God is showing up. God is doing something big. 
day by day by day. Tonight, as you go home to your family, in the morning, as you go to work, in the morning, as hopefully, I'd love that you do your devotion time, read God's Word. This week, you know, walk in that. That's what the Bible says. You're called day by day. His excellency's poured out. I'm just going to wait. I'm waiting for God to speak. God is speaking. God is showing up. We may not be here this week. Walk in who he's made you to be. I am here. You know, they call, Christians are called heralds. Does that ring a bell, a song? What song is that? Anybody? Somebody said, thank you. Hark to Herald. We can talk. What is it? Somebody, somebody else. Come on. Herald, what song is that? Thank you. Hark to Herald, angels sing. You can speak. Hark to Herald, angels sing. As Christians, you herald good news. So you're a herald, and I'm a herald. And what I am called by God to herald is that you see your world different, and you see your life different because it is God's world and it is God's life. It's not your world. It's not your life. And that's the gospel. And when we surrender, it's a word we use a lot, to Jesus and his hope that never ends, then there is a transformation. There is a change. And I challenge y'all to live Advent different this year. Is Christmas, is Advent going to be the same or is it going to be different? And for some of you, it may just be the same. And I will continue heralding that God is calling you and us to be different because of what he has done and how he wants to use you. So take a risk. Walk in God's call. Live it out. You can. Hope in Jesus. You can do this. We can do this. He's here. And he will come again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, and I pray this Christmas, this Advent is different that people feel and know the power of God. And we get past trivialities and we get past minor things and we see your glory. Even though we weren't in the fields with the shepherds, we see and experience the glory of God. And it changes people. That's what your church is about. May we walk into it. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.